Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I'm excited today to be joined by Adito Bideker, a letterer extraordinaire across a wide variety of comics, including uh, Blue and Green, Barbalian, The Savage Shores, Afterlift, Homesick Pilots, the list goes on and on. I was joking before we started that I'm actually in the process of working on like some of my favorite comics heading into 2021, like all the books that I really dig. And I keep finding that Aditya is the letterer. <laughs> like you are, you're the letterer of most of these projects, which is, which is fascinating to me. How, I guess the first question for you is how do you determine like what projects you are on and kind of like what you're willing to take on. Cause it's obviously like there has to be a limit somewhere in terms of how much you yeah. can do, but you, you have a knack for quality that I find kind of extraordinary. Um, what's, what's your, like your thinking there? What's your process? Uh, well, the funny thing is I hadn't really thought about that limit till around the end of 2020 when it kind <laughs> of, I came up against like a really hard limit and I had to cut down. Uh, but before that, my criteria, my criteria has always been, is this a comic that I would love to read? Yeah, And based on that, I have obviously developed some particular relationships. And then beyond that, it's, uh, you know, these are people that I enjoy working with, like Ram V, Dan Waters, Darcy Van Polkist, all these people that I have a, a Chip Zidarsky. I have a great relationship with these people. And so anytime that I can make those books work, I will, um, because I know that these people will always produce something interesting. Yeah. And the next criteria probably is criterion probably is that do I see myself doing something interesting on this? Mm. Uh, like if if I feel like if I'm just going to sit down and execute 20, 22 pages a day, um, I am going to get bored very quickly. Yeah. So I like those comics to be something where I can do something interesting uh, or I feel like it's an art style that could use my touch. Uh, so that's been my criterion pretty much all the way through. You know, it's it's the book first, then the collaborators, and then my work. Like, what can I what can I see myself doing on this? Absolutely, absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I think it definitely checks out in terms of like your your resume here. Um, what? So you mentioned hitting a limit in at the end of twenty twenty. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what's a what is a reasonable amount of comics for you to letter? Like, do you have it down by like a number of projects at this point, or is it for you just like I don't know, like a general sense of like. <laughs> here's the time I have available. How do you manage that? Yeah, I, th I think I have to start from the time available. Um, wh what I kind of realized, I was discussing this with Ram, um, you know, uh, basically after I took a break, I had to take a, like a week-long break in December. Uh, essentially, I had a bit of a health scare and I kind of realized I'd hit my hard limit. Yeah. And so after that, I've been taking care of my health a lot more. So I was discussing Good. this with Ram and uh, he, he pointed out like, you know, not every book needs a virtuosic touch, right? But mm. the funny thing is that all the books that I like doing are the books <laughs> where I feel I can lend a personality with the lettering, right? Yeah. So, so those are books that take me probably like around three times longer than a standard style. So I realized that if I, if I do a standard style, like I, 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 mean, uh, I don't know, like if I'm lettering, for example, a Batman book or something like that, mm. uh, I could probably execute that in around four to five hours. Okay. Uh, because the style is going to be fairly straightforward and only the special effects, sound effects are going to be something where I can kind of, you know, add some kind of flair. Yeah. Uh, but I've always kind of gone for the books where even the balloon style or the lettering is, it's different in some way. So that end up ends up taking a long, much longer time. So uh, for example, I'm on the picture of everything else. 
Yeah. That book takes me 24 pages of that book takes me approximately 12 to 15 hours. So that's two working days. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I usually like the first issue I did it in one day. So I was essentially working for like 14 to 15 hours that day. Um, I think I ended up having too many books that kind of go there and not mm. realizing that I'm not hitting that one book per day speed anymore because of, because the styles I'm doing are a lot more intricate. So I ended up reaching this limit where, you know, I need to have a life outside of work. I <laughs> yeah, can't simply right. be working all the time. Uh, so I kind of reached a limit of I, I want to do on average 10 to 12 pages a day. Um, and then, you know, you, you have like 250 working days and let's say, let's say around 50 days of vacation of some kind. So then I need to reach a limit of approximately 2,200 pages. Right. And my 2020, uh, word count, like page count was something like 2,900. Mm. And that's including two months off. So in 10 <laughs> months I did 2,900 pages, which is way too much. Yeah. You know, so I, that's, that's what my, uh, so, uh, I think. Where I need to think about this is how much time I do I want to be working every day. So I want to be working around like six to eight hours max, right? Yeah. So then uh, I need to choose books uh, and like choose a number of books so that I can either clock out after 10 pages if it's a difficult style or I can clock out after like 15 pages if it's a more simple style. But I need to, that that's my limit basically. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I'm, I'm glad you're, you seem to be doing better and have established that limit. Cause I, I think like no matter what you're doing, you know, I, I work in marketing by day and then run a comics website by night. Like those, right. those limits are important <laughs> so that you're not just constantly going. Cause yeah, absolutely. Even if it's not, you know, obviously a health scare is, is a huge warning sign, but even just that feeling of like, I'm just getting sick of this, you know, just that yeah. feeling of like I'm burning out, you know, that that's a, a tough place to get to as well. You know, so you no, want absolutely. To and and here's the thing, like when I had two jobs, like before, before I was a full time letterer, I had a day job myself as a translator of all mm. things. So the thing is, I was very clear on the fact that these eight hours I'm doing that. And, you know, uh, an office job is not actually that taxing. Um, you know, yeah. you're not actually working for all those eight hours. You're, oh, I know. you're probably working for like three hours. So yeah. you have, you're, you're relaxed by the end of the day and you can then put in like four more hours if needed. But I can't do that with for eight to 12 hours with lettering because each and every page needs a lot of decision making. Yeah. You know, and even more than the decision making, like I, uh, if I'm doing like a hand-drawn style, the decisions are probably made in like a couple of minutes. But then the execution takes around like 20 minutes on top of that. Yeah. And then you're just kind of grinding it out. Uh, and you need to like be very cognizant about how much time you're spending in that. For sure. For sure. So you mentioned here, you know, kind of the difference between doing something like a Batman, which is which is a little more uh, established, right? There's a lot of like, you know, it's a pretty big property. <laughs> like there's there's more of a cadence. But, but funnily enough, those are easier because uh, yeah. you know what people expect. You know, you know yeah. what the book needs. Right, like a Batman book. Uh, for example, I did Future State Dark Detective. And yeah, yeah. We, we played a lot with the styles on that. But after everything, it still needs to look sleek in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. those sleek styles are actually easier to do. It's it's the hand-done styles that are much, uh, much more difficult to actually execute. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I was going to ask, yeah. so when you talk about like virtuoso kind of like that that collaborative like really uh, sinking into like the artistic decision making but yeah. let's use the picture of everything else as an example so that's the vault comics works written by dan waters i read the first issue it's excellent I'm, I'm really excited about this series um can you describe so you mentioned like handwritten stuff like what what is it for you that you look at that book and you're like 
I need to apply Virtuoso Touch. Like, what does that mean to you in terms of the the process? Uh, I've always looked at each book and thought about the art style first, because yeah. while I, while I'm kind of working with the writer's words, it's essentially um, the art style that determines what the lettering is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because uh, so it's it's funny. Like the artist is always on almost all my books. The artist is very involved at the very beginning when we are still trying to nail down a style after which the writer kind of takes over and you know my communication is mostly with the writer mm-hmm. so on the picture of everything else uh what i really saw was um kishore is basically painting the entire book mm-hmm. right like he's doing an ink wash and then he's going over that with a digital coloring uh thing and so the whole thing looks very handmade right so the lettering could not be absolutely digital for sure Mm-hmm. So after that, I basically broke out my iPad and I kind of did a lot of line experiments to kind of figure out what kind of uh, grain and what kind of variable line I needed to use. So mm-hmm. I kind of nailed down around five different lines. Some of those actually have gaps in them. So you kind of have the white of the balloon poking out once in a while uh, in this book. So I kind of created those five lines. Then I scanned those into Illustrator, created lettering brushes with them, and then each and every balloon is me drawing each balloon by hand and then applying that brush on mm. top of that. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, so each and every balloon in the picture of everything else is drawn by hand, right? The font, obviously, I was actually trying to create a new font for it as well, but uh, we didn't actually have enough time uh, to finish that. So I ended up using uh, a comic craft font. But the mm. original idea was going to be that I would create like a slightly art deco slash, um, you know, early 20th century looking font uh, mm. for the lettering. So that was the kind of book where I really felt like this book doesn't look like 20 other books. I mean, there's no there's no shade in that. Like it's, it's perfectly fine for a book to look similar to other books. But this kind of looked like a European um, album almost. And yeah. most of those albums are, uh, the balloons are done by the artists themselves. So mm. I wanted the balloons in the picture to look like that. That's interesting. And thematically, that connects with the work too, right? Because it's it's this book about like, you know, art exactly. in that period. It, it absolutely makes sense. That, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, so I, I watched your, um, you did a YouTube video uh, on lettering a single page of These Savage Shores. It's up right, on yeah. YouTube. I'll try to include that link in the show notes because it's a really interesting watch. And I, I was struck watching that too by how much influence and import like your role as letterer has on like literal reading progression of the comic and, you know, like the use of space on the page and these things that I think as readers often, like definitely myself, I tend to take for granted until it's a problem, you know, like until it's like, oh, this is way too crowded. Now I notice. But when it's done well, it's like you almost don't. It just blends in. And that's that's the goal. Um, where, where do you think that background and sort of that skill set in determining like reading fluidity comes yeah. from? Because It seemed like you had a really good knack for okay, their eyes going to go here, then here, you know, almost like you have a heat map in your head of like where the reader progression is. Like, where do you think that comes from? That's actually, that's actually something I had to develop over years of lettering because um, I, I actually don't come from an art background. I come from a writing background. Like yeah. my, my educational background is in uh, literature and I was a writer before I was a letterer. And I started lettering because I wanted to letter my own comics. Like I wanted to write comics and I was lettering those. And uh, another writer actually told me how much the placements play a part in the lettering and how that kind of controls the storytelling almost. And after that, I've been trying to learn this. Like, so 
um you know i have friends who are photographers i have friends who are artists mm-hmm. and i would discuss this with them like i would i would make choices and i would show it to them and ask them like okay what do you think is wrong with this and over years kind of i started developing my own sense because you know at some point of time you're working on thousands and thousands of pages by very talented people who have a you know immaculate eye yeah. and also professional uh, work kind of corrects you very quickly because um you know I, if i'm asking a friend they might not have too much of a problem with certain placements that i might make but if somebody's paying me they are not paying me to be wrong right <laughs> so so basically uh, you know uh, my i think my skill if there's any is in learning quickly so when somebody uh, i've always kind of made a note of writers notes i used to actually have a checklist of what certain writers need from me or what certain artists need from me mm. and i was always good at not making the same mistake twice so i think that's that's kind of now it now it's turned into an intuitive thing like by by the time of these savages i'm not even really thinking about it like uh, that video for example i think is like 24 minutes that mm. page would actually take me around 8 to 10 minutes to letter because i'm actually not consciously thinking of almost any of these things i'm just yeah. kind of moving stuff around and looking at it and i stop when it looks right <laughs> yeah uh, but that but that fun, took like after, after years of experience you can get to that exactly place, right? yeah that took like yeah. eight years of like very intense work so. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure that checks out how how consciously at this point do you kind of absorb story and storytelling technique when you're lettering a book like do you think you've become a better writer and a better storyteller as a result you know because you're you're very integrated into the process and again just I, i think just the thinking you're putting into and again like when you watch that video like there's like you said there's a lot of decision making around yeah. like what is the point of this like lettering like what where what character is this coming from how do we make sure like like what how has that influenced your own uh, writing and kind of ability to tell a story i think it's influenced it hugely because uh, there's something in comics that i don't think um there is in any other medium that you have to worry about as a writer particularly which is pacing um in prose you can sort of pace yourself as you like mm-hmm. and in movies essentially the director and the editor are doing the pacing right uh, i mean obviously the writing also needs to have a particular flow to it but it's it's fine if there's a couple of lines are in the wrong place but in comics pacing is incredibly important as a writer yeah and i think because of how much i've lettered and also i've seen kind of every mistake that somebody could make by this point yeah sure and then you know sometimes i have to fix that mistake like sometimes the writer will make a mistake that they don't realize till the page comes back or mm-hmm. the artist will make a mistake in rendering that i now have to kind of uh, like i'll i'll sit down with the writer and we we'll kind of fix it together mm. right so because of those things those decisions are kind of ingrained in me now um like if i write an eight pager at this point i it might not be great but it will probably be immaculately paced <laughs> that's awesome yeah no no that's that's a really interesting skill set to me because so you mentioned this um it was something i noted i have been listening to letters and lines the podcast you do with hasan osman elway which is a really interesting conversation between the two of you just on like the whole comics landscape on very technical elements of lettering you know like it's a it's a fascinating conversation you don't get a lot of places and you'll provide like you mentioned you'll provide feedback on the script yeah. you know kind of as you're lettering do you do you feel like you almost have like an uncredited editor's role sometimes you know because you mentioned like like no one 
no one quite has the pass on a page that you do in terms of like getting into panel by panel, literally the progression of the story, you know, like there's, there's an absorption of like exactly what is rendered, what is being said that that kind of you absorb in a way that, you know, again, like maybe an editor would do this, um, but it's part of your process. Do you, is that a typical thing for you? Or is it more just like, well, I catch him when I see him and, and then we, you know, work it out. At this point, that's mostly the latter. I don't think, um, I think when I started out and when I was working with fairly new people in the industry, I think there was a lot of, uh, because uh, see, uh, see um, I started lettering in around 2010, mm-hmm. after which from, um, from 2013 to 2015, approximately, no, wait. Yeah, 2012 to 2015, I was working as an editor for an Indian comic book company. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of started freelancing. Right. So I do have a few editorial skills. And um, when I'm working with people who are newer than me to the industry, I will probably still kind of give them some editorial feedback. But at this point, the the kind of people I work with don't really need that. Yeah. Or like they're getting that from actual editors, right? So most of the time, I'm just catching mistakes or or once in a while, I just kind of, uh, if there's something egregious, like, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll realize that, okay, uh, this is probably a line from a previous draft that you forgot to delete because clearly the pacing is off here or something like that. It's, it's a lot more like that. Or once in a while, I'll point out that, okay, I don't know if this page paces perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there are times when writers will tell me that, okay, you know what? I wrote this page uh, without the dialogue and then the artist drew it and then I've written the dialogue after that. Mm-hmm. So rather than you just lettering this, let's just sit down uh, together and we'll paste the page together mm-hmm. because they understand that I can provide them a lot of visual feedback when we are trying to paste. Uh, for example, um, like I don't want to give a specific example because uh, the editor might feel bad, but there have been times when a writer kind of wrote a page specifically, specifically intending for them and me to kind of go over it later. Yeah. Right. So they literally kind of told the editor that, look, uh, just just let the script go for now. You judge the final page when Aditya gives it to you. Right. Because they know that. Oops, sorry. One second. Aditya, there's going to be uh, a lot. The audio is cutting out. Right. Sorry. Can, can you hear me again? Yes. There we yeah. go. You're back. All right. So I'll, yes. I'll just repeat the last little bit. Um, yes, please. So there. So there are there have been a couple of uh, pages in recent comics where the writers re- literally written a note to the editor saying that don't edit the page as I've written it. Let's let the artist finish it. Then Aditya and I will actually sit and kind of make up the page, and then you can edit it afterwards. Because uh, because there are cert- certain things that an artist is going to do that the writer cannot kind of predict in their head. So the writer wants to wait till the art is done and then kind of uh, visually paste the writing. Yeah. So that is the kind of feedback I give at this point. I don't think I really need to, I don't think any of the writers that I work with at this point need anything beyond like a once in a while, hey, just like this to look weird to me. (laughs) Right. No, no, that makes sense. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, So what's, um, I had some specific examples that I kind of want to talk about, but I think instead of doing like with blue and green, I think there's, you know, really fascinating work. Um, Department of Truth is one that I've been getting really into lately where you, you have, these very interesting, even just like the word balloons and kind of just the way yeah. you're like mapping, like, like kind of straight edge lines over the word. Yeah, the Department of Truth is interesting because you can see one of the work intensive styles like that, that book, I'm literally lettering it twice. Every, okay. every balloon is lettered twice. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I draw those twice. Right. Uh, so it's funny, like, <laughs> like it, it's, I'm, I'm 
that take that book takes me like three days an issue. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the latest issue, the department number six, which was drawn by Elsa Sharitia, actually uh-huh. that I was that went by so fast because I was doing a much more, much more normal sort of normal style, quote unquote. Yeah. So I, I didn't even realize that I finished, and I kept looking at it and like, okay, did I do something wrong? Did I miss any pages? <laughs> this was very quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's just it's interesting to me, like it. In instances where the, the you're doing that very stylistic lettering, or like there's stuff that's really integrated into the art, sometimes is that a collaboration between you and the artist, or are there instances where like the artist will bake that in to their pencils, and then that's actually not a like it, it's actually not a part of the lettering, even though it's literal verbiage. Like how much say do you yeah, have that? That that's mostly sound effects. Like there are there are people who like doing their own sound effects, and. Um, for example, when I was on motocross, Babs would do her own sound effects, mm-hmm. and they were always brilliant. So I would never, I would never feel like uh, that. That was something to learn from. For me, that was something to kind of, uh, like you know, the kind of, uh, for example, or Esadri Beach on uh, uh, verses. You know, he does his own sound effects. So yeah. those are things that I look at as opportunities, uh, opportunities to learn. And it's also an interesting challenge to like, let's say they've missed out a sound effect, and I now need to render it in their style. And that's an interesting challenge for me because mm. it's me trying to think like somebody else. And that's also a learning experience because suddenly you you have a little bit of a addition in your skill set. Um, but on something like Department of Truth, that was kind of that that style is entirely me. Um, I actually gave them I actually so I generally show people style options. Right. So I actually showed them one other style option, which was a lot more like. Uh, I had done on uh, this book called Punk's Not Dead, which Martin and I worked on uh, a few years ago. Mm. And but I but I basically wrote them and said that look, I really feel strongly about the first style that I'm sending you, but just so you don't think I'm crazy, I'm gonna send you another style mm-hmm. that that's a lot more like normal. And all of them just really liked the first one yeah. because uh, because they felt like uh, you know while the style is very strange and weird. It is also very readable. Like the, the font choice is something that nobody's going to be confused, right? No, so that's something no. I'd like to keep in mind. I, I'm I'm not going to make a style that is unreadable. I, yeah, no, I, I definitely did not have. Right, no, I definitely did not have problems with uh, with legibility, uh, and and if it's it's a weird it's a weird and strange book, right? So it's like it thematically again, it's like tonally that does connect. Um, exactly. Yeah. And also I've, I've spent a, I've spent an inordinate num- amount of time thinking about like, if somebody like Dave McKean or Bill Sienkiewicz asked me to letter their book, how would I do it? So I already <laughs> had something in mind when Martin kind of came up with the style, which is yeah. obviously his own thing, but it's also influenced by oh, some of sure. these people. So I'm obviously going to bring in some of that influence there. For sure. Because I, I'd always felt, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm a big fan of how Dave McKean letters himself. But with Sienkiewicz, I always felt like some of the letters sometimes didn't quite get what he was trying to do. Hmm. And they kind of went too normal. Um, although I think Ken Lopez did a fantastic job on straight toasters. I think it was Ken Lopez. Uh, but other than that, I've always felt like, you know, he could use something a little stranger. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting challenge. Do you have like, um, see, obviously there's a, a years of experience here of you working through process. Do you also have like letterers that you kind of look to as influences in comics history that you look to and think like, oh, I really like what they did here. Like how much do you study sort of the, the history of the craft in that, in that regard? Not so much last year, because obviously I didn't have that much time, yeah. but before that I do kind of go on a deep dive on a particular 
letter. Um, like I, I wrote the series of uh, creator on creator articles for Panel X Panel, which is Hassan's yeah. magazine, uh, about other letterers. And the thing is, I didn't have to do any research for them at all because those are already people that I'd looked into for myself. Yeah. So um, I think mostly I just try to find things that people used to do that have now been forgotten with digital lettering. Um, because obviously, like there's a there's something that you can do on a page when you're just doing it once that you can't always do digitally because you have to find a font or you have to kind of sit and hand draw something like yeah. that. That's actually one of the reasons that I hand draw a lot of stuff because it gives you that flexibility of just doing something the once. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are certain books which I I think I think there's at least one book where I've just I'm just doing my version of a particular letter. Uh, like Hellblazer, I feel is my version of Tom Ozikowski. Sure. Like okay. that, that's I'm just doing a riff on him, and obviously I'm not imitating anything. I'm just I've just read a lot of his work recently, and I'm trying to kind of uh, process that influence. Yeah. And I'm trying to come out the other side with something that, like, I want to have an expanded skill set, and looking at him doing those things, which are like, there's so much ease to what he does, mm -hmm. and I want to kind of be that good. So I just want to try and push myself towards that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Cool. What are what are some aspects of that you see like in contemporary lettering that like that drive you nuts? Like, what's the thing that like a common trope or something that you wish like everybody would just stop doing? <laughs> not not to like come at your peers, but just like what are some things that you want to see like move out of comics? Is there anything? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to name anything specific because uh, you know somebody might think it's about them, uh, which <laughs> sure. it's almost certainly probably not. Um, Let Let's go yeah. the other way then. What are, What are some tricks and things that you're seeing more people do that you love? Right. Let's Let's go the opposite direction then. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, I'm definitely loving the trend in hand drawn special effects by uh, letterers rather than artists. Mm -hmm. So somebody like Thomas Maurer or uh, Hassan himself or like. I, I do that as well, or yeah. Pat Brussau, or even Nate Picos once in a while. Um, like, I like the the problem with using fonts for sound effects all the time is that at some point of time, you start thinking through the font rather than thinking about the artwork and how to design, um, uh, you know, a sound effect. Because the sound effect is, it's not processed type, it's drawn type. Yeah. It's supposed to be at least right. So if you can, if you can do that using fonts, that's perfectly fine. But I feel like a lot of people are fairly lazy. Like they'll just take a typeface and they'll just kind of, you know, just like okay, like create like a little sinusoidal curve or something like that, and that leave it at that. So yeah. then it it kind of gets to be a little samey all the time. And I feel like people should move away from that. I'm not saying everybody should hand draw their sound effects, but at least look at the artwork and design the sound effect according to that. The, the other thing is, um, I feel too many people are happy just using bolts for emphasis. Mm, yeah. Right. Like, um, I, I mean, I've had people say this to me about my work in like White Trees or Little Bird and a lot of recent work where... I'll use a different font within a balloon to kind of create a burst sound or something like that. Yeah. Or like, let's say somebody's saying something and only one of those words is shouted. 
I will not just bold it. I will kind of like do something to it. Like I'll design it properly. And that's something I feel is quite rare because um, it's fairly easy to just kind of bold something and increase the size. But I think you should treat it as like a uh, something specific, like something special, right? So again, Tom Ozakowski is the perfect inspiration for this because he would literally like, I mean, you look at his word balloons and they are they have so much variety in them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just somebody speaking and there's so much character to it. And I'm, I'm trying to kind of go that direction and I would like to see more people doing that. Uh, basically, I'm just saying like, don't be lazy. Like you're, you're getting paid to do comics. Like it should be fun. It should be interesting. It should be uh, expressive. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if yeah. you're just sitting in and kind of churning out pages, why are you doing comics? I love it. I love it. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no, and it, the bolding of, of stuff is so funny. We, we talk about this. We do, we do a reading club called My Marvelous Year where we're going through like the history of Marvel and we kind of do a curated dive through Marvel. And it's one thing that a lot of new readers or, or even longtime readers will say is like, at a certain point, almost everyone asks like, why are certain words bolded? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it doesn't make sense. You know, the emphasis level, it's like, wh- why are these words bolded? It doesn't check out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that different approach. Definitely. What uh, What's like your proudest achievement in comics so far do you have something that you're like this is like my absolute favorite thing that i've done not to like you know it, it can be a hard thing obviously but like is there something that just like for you it was maybe a first time you did something or, or something big yeah um i would say the first the first time was when i did graffiti's wall and i hand lettered an entire graphic novel nice yeah right and i had to kind of free, figure out the process i had to i i did the first 10 pages twice because i got the size wrong like mm. you can't you can't just decrease the font when you're hand lettering it you have to do yeah, it yeah. all again um that was that was something that i'm i'm very happy that i did uh, like it wasn't always a pleasant experience because i realized that you know hand lettering like 8 to 10 pages a day wrecks your back oh okay yeah <laughs> i mean obviously i i kind of not set up a proper drawing board setup back then or something like that um i think uh, like i i think i have a few of these because i feel like there are certain books where i level up Mm. And I feel very happy about that. I feel yeah. like I did something I hadn't done before. So it's not even that, it's not like I like those books more than I like my other books necessarily. It's just that I did something that I'd never done before. So there's Little Bird, where I think I kind of really came into my own as a letterer. Like, this is what Aditya Bidikar's work looked like, rather than, um, you know, just being processed influences. Right. Um, the first time I used my own font uh, in a book, that was Punk's Not Dead. And that was like a very happy moment for me. Then blue and green, I think, is sort of an evergreen thing because um, while I was very happy to do graffiti's wall by hand, I don't know if I was happy with the entirety of the work. Hmm. Blue and green was the first time I did a, I hand lettered an entire graphic novel, and I still think it looks kind of good. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm not. It's not like it's been three or four months, and I look at it and I'm still happy with it. Oh, good. So good. that's yeah. that's something new. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah. funny. It's, it's like the the artist, you know, they like they can't listen to their own music because you know they're like, <laughs> done or whatever. No, it's it's good to that you. Still oh, it's exactly like that. Right. It's it's yeah. so weird. Like I'll, I'll I'll once in a while I'll see somebody posting a reaction uh, image based on one of my comics, and yeah. even before I've read the thing, I'm like, okay, that I think that's my my lettering. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I can I can see the stylistic flaws that I feel I used to have a particular time ago, and I can sort of see those in that image, and I'm like, I think I lettered that because I don't like it. <laughs> that's funny all or right rarely it's like I, I i i think i lettered that because that looks good 
So sure, sure, right. No, that's the, that's the better side of that coin. Uh, what what's up next for you? Um, obviously, you're you're working on a whole bunch of books. Um, it, you know, the picture of everything else coming out. Like I said, the Department of yeah. Truth. Um, what what else? What other stuff do you have coming out that you would really want to like make sure people know about? Um. Well, uh, I'm going to be on Detective Comics starting in March. Uh, so there's going to be like Dan Mora and uh, Mariko Tamaki are going to do the lead story. And I'm yeah. uh, lettering those. Uh, that starts in March. And I mean... Had you worked uh, with Dan Mora before, uh, before these Batman books? No, never. But I've always liked his work. Uh, yeah. Actually, I once almost commissioned him to do a cover as an editor at while I was at Graphic India. Oh, yeah. uh, but it didn't really work out. Uh, at the time, but that after that, it's like this is this is the first time I'm working with him. Um, nice. I've had this odd experience where I've actually ap approached people as an editor, and then five years later, I'm lettering their book, and they're like, "Wait, that name looks familiar." Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's coming out starting March. Then Radio Apocalypse launches, I think, in April uh, from mm -hmm. Vault Comics. That's the third book that Ram and Ananda and I are doing together. Yeah. Then uh, Swamp Thing, uh, I'm doing. Um, something with Ram and Mike Perkins uh, that also that also starts in March, I believe. And then there's then there's all the books that I'm doing right now, which is like Homesick Pilots and Giga and The Picture of Everything Else. Um, then there's a few things coming that I I don't know if I can talk about, but those are things that I'm very excited about. Awesome. awesome. With with something like a Swamp Thing, which I know is a book a lot of people, including myself, are super excited about. Do you feel like that's a book where there's room for you to to expand sort of creatively? Or do you feel like, well, I kind of need to mirror the DC Swamp Thing vibe? Like, it, like, how does that work in your head? I think it's a bit of one and the other because, yeah. uh, um, because again, like you're trying to do a book that you want to read, right? So I want a Swamp Thing book that looks the way I expect a Swamp Thing book to look, mm -hmm. right? So there's going to be like a Gaspar influence. There's going to be a John Costanza influence. Um, but beyond that, I do like I, I don't I don't think I was trying to kind of uh, okay. Uh, it's it's a lot. The difference is like doing an original song and a cover version. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. when you're doing a cover, you want the people to recognize the song. Like yeah. you could do like Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner, but not every time, right? Like you do that yeah. once in a while. The rest of the time, like you do all along the Watchtower, where like people recognize it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that, where I want it to feel like a something book. But obviously, we have a new protagonist uh, who's Indian. We have an Indian writer and an Indian letterer. So there's something very personal for me there. Yeah. And I, and we are we're doing some fun stuff there. Like we're doing some stuff that's a little offbeat and weird. Uh, especially with, I think, issue three, Ram just told me uh, a lettering trick that he wants me to do that I'm really excited about. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that book a lot. Uh, cool. So final question I'd like to ask creators is uh, anything that you're reading right now in your limited spare time that, you, that you're that you excited about? Like what are what are some books you've read, uh, comics or otherwise, that uh, you, you would recommend people check out? Uh, yeah, I, I recently discovered this horror writer called Laird Barron okay. uh, who writes... Um, it's sort of evolved Lovecraftian horror. Mm. So for one thing, it's not as racist. And <laughs> and it's got that same like cosmic, uh, they, they call it, I think, the carnivorous cosmos. Like mm. uh, basically it's like, it's not just existential, but it's also sort of like a slightly nihilistic and it's very good horror. So I discovered him recently and I've been reading his book books. Um, comics wise, I've been reading this book called Lupus by Frederick Peters. Okay. It's um, a lot of the time I read European comics and I feel like while the art is amazing, 
the writing sometimes feels it feels a little hard half baked mm. but this feels like a fully formed book it's beautifully written beautifully drawn it's all black and white it's a it's kind of like a it's sci-fi but it's much more like um interested in the interiority of the characters i'm still around halfway through it and i'm really enjoying it nice okay cool yeah, we'll book it out Awesome. Well, Aditya, is there anything else that uh, that you want to make sure people know before I let you go? Again, like I, I'm going to include links here to some of your work as well as like the um, the Letters and Lines podcast, which again I think are full of really fun conversations. Uh, yeah. But yeah, is there anything else you want to plug before uh, before we wrap it? Well, this is something I'm doing in the future. It's not been launched yet, but hopefully by the end of this year or maybe early next year, I'll be launching my own font store. Cool. So I'll be selling uh, typefaces that are like specifically comic book typefaces that are, uh, you know, for uh, use in balloons. And uh, I'll be collaborating with a few artists as well. Uh, I've already received like two artists uh, lettering samples to kind mm -hmm. of turn into their fonts. And you'll be seeing those soon as well. So that's something I'm very excited about because I'm, I'm going to cut down on my lettering work slightly, uh, slightly more. Yeah. And I'm going to do font design and stuff like that. I'm going to try and like build my own skill set. That's so really that's interesting. Where should people look for that? Um, well, uh, at the moment, nowhere. But uh, when it launches, I'll be announcing it on my Twitter. And uh, it'll probably be on adityabhi.net or something like that. Like, uh, I have a website, adityabhi.net. And you can subscribe to my newsletter there. So my newsletter will keep you posted about anything I find particularly interesting about my own life. <laughs> cool, cool. So, <laughs> sounds good. All right, this was a this was a pleasure. I really enjoyed you uh, hopping on, take the time, and appreciate it. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for joining, and uh, yeah, we'll catch up. We'll catch up soon.